the business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money moves. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Metzel. I am your host. Back with another Your Four segment, I'm joined by co-host Caleb. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you today? Yeah, doing well, man. Caleb, uh, we have another four exceptional questions. Questions. Oh man. Uh, the questions keep getting better and better and they get longer. Hey, yeah. and longer. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, they're getting uh, bigger as well, man. It's all good though, man. It's all good. We do have um, four really, really good questions. You guys are going to absolutely love uh, what we dive into in this episode. Before we get stuck into these four questions, I do just want to remind you guys that if you have a question that you would like to submit, there's a couple of ways that you can submit those questions. The first and most efficient way is to DM Caleb direct yep. on Instagram mm-hmm. at Caleb dot F-I-E-G-E-R-T. That's where you send it. Yeah, hit Caleb up directly. And uh, if you want to come to me, uh, you can DM me as well at Joseph Mansell, and I will just take a screenshot and send it to Caleb anyway, <laughs> uh, which is why it's more efficient to go straight to Caleb. But, uh, you know, we encourage you guys to send your questions through. We do have a bunch that we are working through, but the more the merrier uh, and the questions are you know, so good. Hey, we picked the so juiciest good. ones, guys. So, yeah. you know, go for it. Yeah, 100%. Caleb, let's go. All right. Question one. We are currently in the midst of a COVID outbreak and I am trying to support my team as best as I can, but I'm finding they are becoming a bit entitled and expecting me to pick up the pieces and do their jobs because they are feeling overwhelmed. They expect me to be 100% available to them 100% of the time, even during my time off. How do I support my team effectively without burning myself out in the process? For some context, I've been getting at least three phone calls outside of my work hours for 10 days straight. So I'm going to assume that this is either a manager, a team leader, perhaps a business owner, somebody in a, in a position of leadership, right? Which is why, um, you know, we're talking effectively about staff here. There's a couple of things to consider here. The first one, I am uh, a, a big fan of a psychologist named Brene Brown. Uh, and Brene has written a, a lot of different books on leadership and, and in particular vulnerability in leadership. And I think that that's really at the core of this question is it takes true courage to show vulnerability and honesty in leadership. And I think that the first way to kind of tackle this situation is as, as the leader, the manager, the business owner, whatever position this particular person is in, is to actually have the courage to be vulnerable and honest with the staff members and say, listen, like, you know, I empathize with this is a very tricky situation. You know, any sort of COVID outbreak in the workplace is very, very difficult. Um, I understand that you're overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed as well right? This is difficult for me as well. I'm not, you know, Iron Man or Iron Woman. I'm not immune to the emotions that you guys are experiencing. Uh, It's affecting me as well. I think that's really the first thing to really kind of build trust with your team, right? Is go, look, I'm human as well, right? Uh, You know, uh, I, I need to kind of set boundaries here as well. I think that's the first thing to do. I think the second thing then is, 
when it comes to the boundaries, uh, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. That's another Brene Brown quote. This is the Brene Brown answer, this one. Um, but, uh, you know, and this is, this is something that I fall back on a lot, right? Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. You need to be very clear with boundaries in, in, in two situations here. The first boundary is I'm here for you. I'll support you as your team leader, as a business owner, as your, as your manager, but I need to set boundaries for myself as well, right? Put your hand up, say, you know, I'm struggling with this as well. Have the courage to be vulnerable and then say, these are the boundaries I need to set for me personally. The other boundaries that need to be set uh, are around the performance, right? Because the question mentions um, pick up the pieces and do their jobs because they're feeling overwhelmed, right? It's okay to, to feel overwhelmed, you don't have to act overwhelmed, right? If you've got a job to do, you need to do your job, right? So there needs to be the expectation set around, you know, within the workplace, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, right? Regardless of if it's a COVID outbreak or it's a natural disaster or whatever the situation is, there's going to be shit that comes up, right? That is going to put people in a position where they get emotional, where they feel overwhelmed, where it starts to affect their work-life balance, where it starts to affect their performance in the workplace. And you can empathize with that and you can, you know, allow a little bit of leeway with that, but you need to know where the boundaries are. And as the leader, the manager, the business owner, it's your responsibility to set the boundaries, enforce the standards, and make sure that it's very clear about what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. Your thoughts? My thoughts is you've taken the words out of my mouth, man. Good. <laughs> um, we're, on the, we're on the same page yeah, with this one. Yeah, look, one of my first things was like, yeah, we need to set some boundaries. I think what we can, we can fall into the trap about these unspoken boundaries. You know, there's always unspoken boundaries in place, but the problem is that we haven't actually spoken about them, which comes, kind of comes back to communication and it kind of comes back to leaning into that vulnerability as a leader to communicate with people about these kind of boundaries and, the, and what you want to put in place. Um, and yeah, then I guess the next thing that comes to my mind straight away, which we're just touching base on, but I want to look at it more, not just, um, talking to, you know, the person who's asked this question, but maybe talking to the people out there for like me, for example, mm -hmm. who's a staff member yeah. and you're my boss, that it's always important to remember, uh, we have to recognize that our bosses are human beings too. Like they actually go through the same feelings and emotions. And even though we may be feeling overwhelmed, we got to kind of take a step back for a moment and be like, well, hold on. Okay, if I'm feeling like this, maybe my boss is feeling like that too. And I think, you know, if we can have that mindset too and we can, I guess, you know, acknowledge that, then when we have those conversations, people can feel more safer and more invited to step into that level of vulnerability where they can say, hey, you know, I'm struggling too. And we can have that back and forth communication. But we touched base on this a few episodes back where I was talking about establishing a relationship with your boss. And you're like, you know, I think it's important that a boss establishes a relationship with a staff member. I think it's got to go both ways, man. If it's going to work properly and when, you get, and when you're going to face problems like this, you both need to be on the same level. Not just one person thinks, oh, you know, I'm struggling, but I can see my boss isn't struggling. You know, we both need to be on the same page going, hey, you and I, we're both in this together. You know, then you can play, put some boundaries in place, then you can respect that. But most importantly, you know, neither of you is going to get too overwhelmed and burnt out in the process. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, going back to a few episodes ago when I said that 
I think just because of the dynamic of a position of authority, right, the, the person in the position of authority, the manager, the team leader, the business owner needs to kind of be the person that initiates the vulnerability in the first instance, yeah. right? Because, the, because if you don't, the presumption is that you are like untouchable, you know, they're like, you are the boss. You don't, you don't feel the same emotions that the staff feel, right? There's kind of like that disconnect between, between the boss and the employee or the business owner and the staff member. So I, that's why I think it needs to come from the person in the position of authority or the position in leadership. I mean, a great example, man, like we had our, um, uh, every Monday morning, we have our managers meeting here, 9am on Monday morning. And, you know, the Monday just passed, I shared some stuff with you guys, with, with the management team uh, that I've never shared before, that was very vulnerable for me to share. Um, but, you know, by doing that sort of thing, it kind of opens the door for that sort of relationship. And ultimately, if you lean into the vulnerability and you lean into the honesty, it builds trust within the team and it actually leads to better performance of the team because we're all fucking human at the end of the day. hundred percent, right? man. So I think the last thing I want to add to this question here, Caleb, is a little bit of, um, uh, let's say, a sharp edge to, to okay. close this question right. out, right? So I see this a lot, right? And, and and I don't want this to come come across the wrong way to whoever asked this question. This is coming from a good place. This is not coming from a, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, uh, shut you down sort of place. But everybody wants to be the boss until it's time to do what bosses need to do. And this is a great example of, you know what, you are the business owner or you are the manager or you are the team leader, right? And one of the things that you have to do in that position of authority is take the calls in your free time, right? You need to be there for your staff, right? If your team is feeling overwhelmed because there's a pandemic going on, it, this is what bosses do. You need to step the fuck up you need to take responsibility and you need to understand that this is part of your job. Yeah. This is part of the position. This comes with the territory. And I think that if you can reframe it, and this is what I mean where, where, where this is coming from a good place. If you can reframe this to go, you know what? This, is, this may feel like I didn't sign up for this. If you can reframe that to this is exactly what I signed up for. This is part of my job. This comes with the territory. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to develop and hone my skills as a leader. I think that reframing it and looking at it like that is going to help this particular person through the situation immensely. And look, I think putting that kind of principle and then taking the place of, you know, creating those boundaries as well. There's going to be moments where people are, you know, they're going to call you out of those hours, but there's going to be moments where, you know, if you've communicated where they know that they're crossing the line, some people actually will back off. Next question. Uh, question two. Can you lead with an infinite mindset in a business that is playing in a finite game? I run a department and we already organically operate under some infinite mindset practices, but can you truly operate with an infinite mindset in a business that doesn't do so? 
I have a family and financial responsibilities and my job enables me to fulfill those. But should I start looking elsewhere for an organization that more closely aligns to my values and the journey I've put myself on? Or should I focus on controlling my controllables and continue my personal growth where I am and lead my teams in line with my core values? So a little bit of background um, for the listeners who perhaps are hearing this concept of infinite mindset for the first time. Uh, If you go back in the feed of this podcast, there is an entire show, it's called Infinite Mindset, where I explain exactly what infinite mindset is, the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset, the difference between growth mindset and infinite mindset. So if you guys, you know, I don't want to go through it now because it's a 45 minute podcast. uh, But if you guys, you know, if you hear this question, you're like, I don't know what the fuck infinite mindset is. Uh, Go back, listen to that show and then come back and listen to this answer. To answer the first part of the question, can you lead with an infinite mindset in a business that is playing in a finite game? The answer is yes. And that's because within the infinite game, there are finite games, right? If you go infinite game is overarching. The situation where you don't have to lose for other people to win, other people's success is not coming out of your pocket, the bigger the pie grows for everybody, the bigger everybody's slices. Within that, there are finite games that are important that you win in the short term to allow you to continue playing the infinite game. I don't know the exact details of this situation because we haven't been given them, but let's say, you know, perhaps it's got to do with business KPIs, perhaps it's got to do with business metrics, perhaps it's got to do with certain targets, certain goals within the business. And perhaps the short-term finite nature of it is that there's a, there's a competitive nature between this particular business and their competitive business over here, right? And the infinite mindset in the long term is, you know, our competitors don't have to lose for us to win and our competitors' success is not coming out of our pocket. But in the short term, you need to fucking crush your competitors, right? Like it's, it's competition at the end of the day. And if... You're not playing the finite game in the short term. If you're not playing to win in the short term, you may actually end up out of business and then you can't play the finite game anyway, right? Yeah. So within the overarching finite, within the overarching infinite game, there are short-term finite games and you have to win those short-term finite games to continue playing the infinite game. And that's why the short answer to the question is yes. What are your thoughts on that? Look, we have different mindsets when it comes to, I think, like an infinite mindset. You know, my mindset is actually, I have a uh, eternity mindset. And the way that I kind of look at it and I approach those kind of things is, yes, I can live within that because my eternity mindset is no matter what, I'm on the winning team. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at those kind of things, even if there might be things that I lose at. But I kind of have to agree, you know, playing in that kind of finite game that it is important that you're executing on those things too. But in the reality, if there is something that you lose in or something that might defeat you or beat you in that moment, I always go back to, but now I'm on the winning team. So I can always kind of switch my perspective and go, okay, it looks like I'm losing this, but I actually know that no matter what, I've won and I've conquered. Mm. Look, like in the short term, if we if we just take um, – you know, let's take the massive Joe's business, TMJ Apparel business, right? I want to see our competitors win because I understand through the infinite mindset that by them winning and them doing well, that's going to encourage us to level up and we're going to do even better to try and you know keep up or stay up or ultimately beat them, right? Like that's, that's the infinite mindset. At the same time, I want to fucking crush all of them 
right? I want to destroy our competition. So it's this balance of like, you know, deep down inside, I'm happy for the success because I understand that it's moving the needle forward for the entire industry and for all of us together. But at the same time, if I get the opportunity to fucking destroy them, I'm going to take the opportunity, right? In the, so that's why I'm saying within the infinite game, there are short-term finite games. I think the second part to this question about, uh, you know, should I start looking elsewhere for an organization that more closely aligns with my core values and my infinite mindset because this current organization doesn't at this point in time. I am always a fan of doing that. I am very happy that the person who asked this question has the awareness to go, you know what, I have family and financial responsibilities and I know that I have to meet those responsibilities and the job I'm in at the moment allows me to do that. I, if you can, continue to meet your responsibilities and pursue alignment in an organization that does align with your infinite mindset and does align with your core values, I think ultimately that's going to bring you much more fulfillment, which is ultimately going to lead to much more success, which is ultimately going to lead to much more happiness. So if you have the opportunity to do it and also balance the family and financial responsibilities, my advice would be to do it. Yeah. And look, I can share a little bit of a personal story on this one as well, because there was a moment where I kind of came to the realization that I realized where I was working wasn't really fitting into my values, my mindsets. Um, and it actually more, it wasn't who I was working for, but just who I was working with. And so I was all like, okay, this just isn't working, but I can't just pull the plug and just go out of there. You know, we got those financial responsibilities. You've got bills to play, pay. I didn't have a family or anything to provide for, but you know, I've still got a, you know, financial responsibility. So what am I going to do? Well, comes back to how much do I really value my time? And so I realized, am I making the most of my 24? You know, yeah, I might be working for like eight hours, but what am I doing in between those other times? And that's kind of like my advice to anybody who, who might be thinking about that. You know, it might not just be the person who asked this question, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that are, you know, wondering, you know, how do I get out of this place that doesn't, or this work environment that isn't really representing the values or where I want to go in life. And really it's giving up your comforts in, in pursuit of something greater, of greatness really, you know. Um, you know, I would always do like go for a walk or something during the day, but I listen to music, but I'd switch that up and I'd listen to podcasts. You know, you go home and you watch TV and watch your favorite episode on Netflix or something. I'd change that to going and studying. Like for specifically, this this actually dials back and you would have heard about it through podcasts that I did previously, yeah. is that this dials back to I wanted to work for Massive Joe's. So what did I do? In my downtime, I learned about supplements. Mm -hmm. I went through and studied all the ingredients. I sacrificed the things that brought me comfort, like going on the TV, and, and just chilling there for a few hours and got into reading books and listening to information, watching your raw reviews, all of that. Any time that I could, I'd find time to focus on what I actually really wanted to do. And the more that you start to analyze, you know, what you're doing throughout the day and realizing actually you can implement new practices, new teachers that can actually uh, influence you to where you want to go. Like even when I was when I was working, I was a stock manager, but I could play my own music. Man, I just switched that to more podcasts. I just kept feeding myself with what I actually wanted and, and analyzing into the time that I had and going, okay, you know, I'm doing this, but I could also implement this. And just having the deeper and 
and like the deeper analytic kind of look into things and going, you know, this is all the time, but I'm really valuing all the time that I have. Man, we can do so much more with our time than what we give ourselves credit for sometimes. That's really good advice, man. Really good. And look at where you are now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the proof The proof is sitting right here. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that, that kind of um, explanation that you give around effectively what is a transitionary period uh, is very, very valuable because I think so often people just want to, you know, completely close one door to walk completely through another door. And sometimes you have to do that, but more often than not, there's the little transitionary period things, right? You know, and back to this question, you know, maybe in the short term, it's you focus on controlling your controllables while staying with the current organization, while in your downtime, seeing what else is out there and just putting the feelers out. And, you know, you can go through this transitionary period for months, if not years, until you find the right fit that allows you to continue to meet the family and financial responsibility responsibilities. You don't need to just go, you know what, close that door, open. It's very, very risky to do that. Mm, 100%. You know? so. Even like the more you put in, the more you're going to get out. Like I was doing it, but it felt like I didn't do it for a long time before I ended up falling into exactly what I was looking for. 100%. Question three. All right. All of my friends were out on the weekend and I never got invited. I reframe this situation by reminding myself that things happen for me, not to me, and to focus on my own journey. But man, does it still hurt. How do I deal with this? You talk to your friends about it. First and foremost, you have the fucking conversation, right? Like if it hurts you that you were overlooked or you weren't invited for whatever reason, like if they're real friends, have a real fucking conversation and say, you know, Caleb, what's up, man? Like, you know, I knew you had a party or a dinner or whatever the fuck. I thought we were good mates. Why didn't I get invited? Like that hurts me. You know, have the courage to have the difficult conversation around it. That's, that's the first thing. You might find through that difficult conversation that perhaps there were assumptions that were made, right? Maybe you didn't invite me to dinner and at the, last Saturday night at your place because you know that I'm prepping for a show at the moment and I would have said no anyway, right? So perhaps that was the assumption. If that's the case, hey man, listen, I appreciate that. Like, thank you for, for, for um, you know, having my back in that regard. I appreciate it. Maybe there's not, like you're just not going to fucking know unless you have the conversation, yeah. right? You can't <laughs> kind of sit in the background and kind of, you know, stew on it and get pissed off and get all butt hurt and shit if you're not willing to have the courage to have the hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And then there are parts like, you know, you have that hard conversation, but you've got to understand that sometimes the party might not take it that way that you're asking the difficult conversation. Some people straight away just think that you're attacking them as well. So it's got to be mindful of that. More of what I, how I look at it is I'm going, okay, I acknowledge these people for, you know, recognizing that this has happened for them, but there's another fundamental step that needs to be taken. And the question is why? Why has that happened for you? Like, you know, and you know, what does it mean? You know, you know, if you're not having that conversation or if you're having that conversation with somebody and then they just, they don't even tell you what happens. Unfortunately, I've had that happen to me a few times. You know, I haven't got invited. You approach them. They either just ignore you, leave you on red or, or, or the answer is just something that's just a bit heartless. You know, it happens sometimes. So then if you do, if you do have those conversations and it comes back and it really wasn't, I guess, productive, 
um, a way of looking at it is now asking, why has this happened for me? What does this mean? What does it say about my choices with my friends? What does it say about me as a person? Is there something that I need to do about myself to change? Because I think the reality is sometimes we always think that someone else has to change, but we actually are the ones that need to change sometimes. Um, and look, the, I've had many of these scenarios that have happened to me in life where it's personally forced me to dive deep and to, to look in and ask those invading and intimidating questions to myself, which have brought freedom, man, a lot of liberation because I've gone, man, I've just, they really don't value me. And, you know, and, and it's, it's a hard um, conclusion to come to when you're like, you know, I do value those people, but they don't, they don't value me. And I guess it starts telling you a lot about yourself. Now, I have been journeying through this in my life and I've gone through and I'll be like, okay, some people don't, haven't valued me or maybe I haven't valued them enough or maybe I just have to ex accept that, you know, we have different paths, we have different goals in life. Now, it doesn't mean that's not a discouraging thing, that's an encouraging thing. You know, that means it's, it's a chance for you to go out there and find the people that do value you, find the people that you value as well. Um, but don't be afraid because the problem is the next thing that happens is once you come to that realization, the fear kicks in, the fear sets in. And I'm going to be open and very vulnerable here. Um, I've gone through and I've walked through that and experienced that. I've, you know, changed a lot in my life recently. You know, I have been very open about my personal beliefs and have lost a lot of friends in the process. In top of that, I've gone, okay, I've acknowledged that, you know, they never really valued me for who I was as a person and that's okay. Um, I still love them and they still mean the world to me. Um, but now I need to go and find people who do value me and, and share the same interests. And I've done that and gone and approached people and actually been rejected, man. They've been like, actually, nah, sorry, dude, I just don't think we should be friends. So I want to let people know who have that fear of rejection. One, yeah, it's possible it could happen but it's still not the be all and end all. In fact, then you actually go full circle around again and go, okay, so why didn't they want to be friends with me? Is there something I need to work on? Am I not doing something here? Our value still not lining up and so forth. But my encouragement is, you know, to just never give up, keep going. You will find the ones and the perfect ones to be around as well. There's a saying um, that I really like that, it really kind of exemplifies this certain situation because to be honest, right, this is what I see a lot. This sort of situation is often when somebody is trying to level up, right, and the certain friendship circle they were in or the certain societal circle they were in are kind of, you know, where they were and you're trying to get to the next level, you're trying to improve, you're trying to take your life, you know, beyond that situation, right? And because of that, you kind of need to move on uh, and, and move out of the friendship circle, the societal circle that, that was kind of holding you back here, right? That's where, that's where this situation kind of manifests most of the time. There's a saying that um, Andy Frisella says, uh, and I really like it. He, he articulates it perfectly. He says, you know, the, the common saying is that it's lonely at the top. It's not lonely at the top. It's lonely in the middle. It's lonely when you're transitioning from the friends and the, the people who you used to hang around with and you transition away from them because you're trying to get to different levels in your life and you haven't found the new friends 
that are at where you want to be, or perhaps you're not where they are just yet. You're in this transitionary period, the middle, right? And it's really difficult because on one hand, you have to kind of say, you know what, I, 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 I can't continue to have these friendships. I can't continue to have these associations because they don't align with who I'm trying to become. I know where I'm trying to get to, but while I'm in this middle period, that's where it's lonely. And yeah, I was, literally I was just, I was even thinking that. I was like, man, but this just ties back to what before what we were talking about before. It's a transition. Yeah. It's a transitioning phase. It's a theme in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like, yeah, there's another saying, but what I love about friends is like friends you consider, as they say, a saying is as iron sharpens iron, so therefore a friend sharpens a friend. Yeah. So I think it's really important to stick into that trans, like transitional phase until you just keep finding the friends who are building you up, encouraging you and sharpening you and, and helping you along on your journey. A hundred percent. But, you know, this is life's journey, right? Is like you go through different periods of life where you align with certain people and you develop really good friendships and then you get into your late 30s, your early 40s and you can count your close friends on one hand. You know, that's that's just life, right? Because you you have misalignments and then you align with new people and you meet different people at different stages in their lives. And like this is this is it's life's journey. Yeah, really is. Last question. How do you know when to trust the process or when it's time to make a move? Do you wait for the right opportunity or do you go and find this opportunity? This is a this is a good question. I really like this question. I think the first thing. No, you know what? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change my answer a little bit. So, when it comes to trusting the process or uh, going out and seeking opportunities, I have this analogy that I like using, uh, and it's a farming analogy, right? And so the analogy is, you've got the four seasons: summer autumn, winter, spring, right? That's the process, right? That's what's outside of your control. That's what you have. You have to trust that every three months, there's going to be a change in seasons and it's going to go summer, autumn, winter, spring. What you can control, what your opportunities are, is making sure that in autumn and winter, you're planting the seeds, right? You're preparing the soil, you're doing what you have to do so that when the process of spring and summer come along, you can harvest the crop. So the process, uh, you know, the process is the seasons. Making the most of the opportunities that you can control is preparing to be able to harvest the crop when the seasons come along. That's the analogy I like to use when it comes to, you know, trusting the process. Versus, you know, what, at what point do you kind of need to grab the opportunity by both hands and make the most of it? Okay, yeah. Um, look, I have something very similar, but not as in-depth. Just more like, it's when you like, I look at it, you put a plan in place and you need to understand that it's going to take some time for that plan to come into fruition. Yes. Um, but at that same time, I always see that you're making small moves to make sure that you're falling under the principle of execution. Um, and I also think it comes down to perspective. You know, we need to acknowledge that sometimes those small moves that we are making outwardly might not look like much, but inwardly we're doing them every single day. And then eventually, as you mentioned, when it comes to time for harvest, they're going to sprout up. But it's important that we're still executing those small little tiny moves each and every day. And that's a little bit of trusting the process. I guess when you know 
when if it's time to make a move or maybe when it's time to kind of pull away from trusting the process is when you're doing the same thing again and you're just getting the same, you know, the same result without the result that you're trying to achieve. A hundred percent. And that was what I was going to lead my answer off with, right? That's the second part to this question is like reality check your expectations. You know, like have you, have you planned, let's in the business realm, right? Have you done what you needed to do? Have you planted the seeds to build a million dollar business, for example? right? You need to be actually realistic with that. If you haven't, and you've only planted the seeds to do a, a six-figure business, not a seven-figure business, you can't continue to sit there and trust the fucking process and think that somehow you're going to go from six to seven figures without actually planting more seeds, right? Yeah. When it comes to... Um, you know, we see this trust the process comes up a lot in contest prep, right? People preparing for um, a bodybuilding show, a bikini show, men's physique. It's, you know, it's it's the trusting the process of the prep, right? When it gets really hard and you kind of look like shit and you feel like shit and um, all the stuff I'm going through at the moment, actually. <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> so I'm very well aware. But like, you know, have you, have you done the work in the off season to produce a championship winning physique? right? Is your expectation with that realistic, right? Are you trying to trust the process because you think that it's going to get you a pro card or an overall title or whatever it is, but you actually haven't done the work that you needed to do in the off season to, to get that kind of outcome? Like you need to reality check your expectations. You need to, you need to make sure that you've done the fucking work, I think too, when this this whole trust the process, I think there's a lot behind it, man. Even in terms of like- It can be used as a cop out, Caleb. Yeah. Like it really, it really can. Uh, and I think that's probably the, the message that I want to drive home with this particular question. I wish that there was a little bit more detail in this question. That's something for you guys listening. If you're going to send questions in, get very granular because the more granular you get, the better the advice we can give instead of it kind of being airy-fairy. But like the trust the process thing can be used as a cop-out, right? It's just like, oh, you know, I'm just trusting the process. I'm trusting, motherfucker, you haven't done the work. But are you trusting the process as well? Like some people, when they get under this mindset, they always just start striving, chasing, 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 but they don't realize sometimes trusting the process actually relies in resting as yeah, well. stillness, yeah. In like stillness, like the problem is that we're always striving, never resting, and sometimes we actually need to remind ourselves that we are actually human beings and not human doings. Like if you're talking about in contest prep or even just talking about, you know, in the off season, how much time are you spending when you're still resting, not actually doing something? Um, which kind of really segues into, do I wait for the right opportunity or do I go and find this opportunity? Man, the way I like to perceive opportunity, it says all opportunities everywhere, man. Do I, do I, do I go wait for the right opportunity or do I go find opportunity? Man, opportunity is knocking at your door at every choice you make. Like I look at opportunity like it actually comes down to choice. Every choice you make is an opportunity. It just depends whether or not that you're willing to acknowledge that opportunity is there or if you're willing or, you, or if you're just ignoring it. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you can't sit around, you know, thinking and saying and thinking that you're trusting the process when opportunity is knocking on the door and you don't go and answer the fucking door, you know, like ultimately you got to grab that opportunity with both hands, make the most of it, plant the fucking seeds in winter, plant the seeds in autumn, and then trust the process that when spring and summer comes along, there's going to be something for you to harvest. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Guys, another episode of your four, four awesome questions. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys know that there's one thing we ask in return. If you have taken some value out of this episode, if you've enjoyed listening to Caleb and I have a little conversation about these questions, if you've had a laugh along the way, uh, the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show. Uh, you can share it person to person. One of the, uh, the best ways that you can share the show is to take a screenshot right now of whatever podcasting platform you are listening to, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever it is, post that in your Instagram or your Facebook story and tag Caleb and I in that post at Joseph Mansell at Caleb.Figit. Yep. We've spelt it. You guys yep. know what's up. Uh, and we love seeing those tags and uh, we like to share as many of them as we possibly can. If you have a question, also send Caleb a DM, send me a DM uh, and we'd love to hear your very granular, very specific <laughs> questions so that we can give as much practical and strategic advice as we possibly can. Caleb, thank you so much. Pleasure, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.